evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. Great to be with you on this day after Christmas, a special Tuesday episode of Carving Up Live. Normally, I'd come in after a football Sunday, come in on a on, on Monday show with some hot takes, ready to go. Today, day after Christmas, a lot to get into regarding the NFL, some NBA, carving up the context. What we're going to do, we're going to mix going to mix two shows just a little bit as if uh, we were doing a Monday and a Wednesday show. Okay, so we're going to have carving up the context. We're going to have Bryson's best 10 an hour from now. My top 10 teams in the NFL, certainly plenty of shakeup given what happened last night, given what happened over the weekend in the National Football League. A lot has been going on across the NFL. I'll get into why I'm still, even though I'm close, not going to sell all my stock on the Dallas Cowboys, knows keyword all. I'm going to discuss that in just a I'm sorry, I shouldn't say just a moment. About 15, 20 minutes from now. Also getting get into why I'm completely out, done, over the hill, out of here on the Philadelphia Eagles and Super Bowl contenders. They are done. They are finished. They will be one and done in the playoffs. Don't care who they face. They're done. You get the idea at this point. I'm out on the Eagles. I'll detail that in about 40 minutes or so. Also going to get into why I'm still not totally out in the Kansas City Chiefs. This is sort of the... I'm defending my pick show to a certain extent. It's going to be very, very fun. Again, Bryson's best 10 going to be coming up in about an hour. Also carving up the context around Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. So much to get into. By the way, prediction for Browns and Jets for Thursday Night Football at the end of today's show. I've seen my man Ravens fan in here, okay? My, the my Thoughts, My Opinion podcast, Devin Nettles. You know, he had a great Christmas. He said, yo, what it is, bro? What's up, Devin? By the way, yeah, I, 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 it is Christmas, and so I, I got me a, finally a Steelers hoodie. Yeah, I've been I've been needing one of these. Shout out mom and dad for the gift. But of course, I got my Steelers hat. Got my got my terrible towel in the building. We're not gonna be talking a ton of Steelers. I'll recap the rest of you know week 16 NFL action. But you know, listen, it's nice to it's nice to see your team actually function offensively. Uh, I haven't seen it in my time as a in my brief time at least at this point uh, as a Steelers fan. Shout out Mason Rudolph. Okay, Rudolph the big play quarterback. That's why I'm calling him. Uh, the, as bad as it was, see the Ravens do what they did and see my man Devin big trust. He is going to be insufferable all week, but you know what? He gets the right to because of what happened. But first, I'll take this towel off for just a moment. See, y'all don't think I'm being biased or whatever, but I am going to give the Ravens their love <sighs> because the Ravens went into San Francisco and from start to finish, absolutely kicked the Niners' teeth in. And I did not know that was possible. Listen, I was of the mindset. I remember talking when the Niners beat the Cowboys back in week five, 42 to 10. I'm like, whoa. I mean, even everybody, including myself, who picked San Francisco win that game, didn't see that coming. Even those who picked the Niners to beat the Eagles didn't see that coming. I felt like if they could get a physical advantage, they could push you around. And even if San Francisco lost, which they have, lost at the gun to Cleveland on a missed field goal attempt, lost to Minnesota and Kirk Cousins just out of nowhere on Monday Night Football, prayers for Kirk's continued Achilles recovery, just to use the name of the show, carved up the, nine, the Niners' defense. It was outstanding. Then the week after, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow kind of carved them up as well. Since then, six-game winning streak. They play well. Brock Purdy's play well. So is the defense. So is the playmakers. Uh, and Kyle Shannon's obviously dialed up some, some excellent plays throughout this winning streak. When they got into the ring, so to speak, though, and this is where I'll have to give the Ravens credit because I was, I don't even remember last week if I said I sold my stock on Baltimore, but I was darn close because I said that game against Jacksonville. They're playing a beat-up quarterback, okay? They're on a, the, uh, Baltimore's on a winning streak. Jacksonville is just throwing up all over itself in the first half, right? Okay, they're missed field goal, missed field goal, fumble, end of the half blunder. 
and the Ravens got a touchdown out of those four situations. A touchdown. That's it. I said, great teams capitalize on other great teams' mistakes. The Patriots were the model of that for two decades. I said, I love the Ravens roster. Y'all know I love Lamar Jackson. I'm getting to Lamar in short order. Love the coach, John Harbaugh. Roster's excellent. Don't totally trust in the fourth quarter. I still maintain that, by the way. And don't know if they can take advantage of other teams' mistakes. Last night, oh, you better believe they took advantage of the San Francisco 49ers' mistakes. And mistakes were plenty from Brock Purdy, who I will also get into. The Lamar Purdy thing will be kind of tied in, uh, so to speak. But, uh, okay, so the Ravens, so the interception, the first interception, the second interception, rather, by Brock Purdy, Baltimore went down, scored a touchdown. Third interception by Purdy, Baltimore went down, kicked a field goal. Another interception, I'm sorry, yeah, the, another interception by Purdy, they scored the very next play. They took advantage of San Francisco's mistakes, which is what all the great teams do. Shout out to Baltimore. You'll see why I rank them and San Francisco and everybody else in Bryce's best 10 an hour from now, my top 10 teams in the league. But what I took away from this game, because listen, these are, at least in my estimation, these are certainly the favorites to come out of, out of the NFC and the AFC, respectively, and, and one could argue the two best teams in the NFL. Um, <laughs> we've had a few uh, instances of this where we have, and we saw this, by the way, with Brock Purdy back in, what was it, week eight when they played Cincinnati. The difference between a franchise quarterback and a superstar quarterback. Now, I have been a people can be like, oh, here we go. You're going to crap on Purdy like the rest of the media today. No, 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 no. Not so fast, as Lee Corso would say. I've been a Brock Purdy guy. I've called him Sturdy Purdy from the jump. I never called him Superstar Purdy. Okay. Let's, 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 and I listen, I did call him elite. I will say I, I did call him elite after the Cowboys game, and I backed off of that because of the simple fact that I don't know if I can trust him playing from behind. And sure enough, when he's asked to play from behind, four interceptions later, or four interceptions happened. Uh, or although one of those interceptions, he was up two to nothing because of the, the safety caused by the ref. But you get where I'm coming from. You saw the difference in a guy who, when the pieces are around him, and oh, are they around them in San Francisco, he can be incredible. For the record, there's a lot of quarterbacks like that. Now, is it a system quarterback like Cam Newton says? No, Jimmy Garoppolo was a system quarterback. Every single bit of accomplishments he ever, ever, ever had, any accomplishment he ever had in San Francisco was in large, large part due to George Kittle, to Debo Samuel, to the running game, the offensive line, Trent Williams, to the defense, to Kyle Shanahan. Brock Purdy's shown he's capable of making those throws. I've called Purdy one of, if not the best, anticipation throwers in the NFL. He's missed some. Missed a lot yesterday. And when asked to play from behind, not the same guy. It's why, as much as I like Purdy, I did not include him on my blank check quarterback list. I Blank check quarterback. You're like, what's that mean, Bryson? It means... Eight guys, or at least the, I said it was eight guys, that when they come to the negotiation table, I'm cool getting whatever they want. Because we know a franchise quarterback can be the difference in being a division round team and hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Defense no longer wins championships. That's a foreign concept that's been gone for a decade since the Broncos won in 2015. It's a quarterback's league. Been saying that on this show for two years. And Lamar Jackson is that. And Lamar Jackson, I've said often on Carving It Up, that there's three quarterbacks in the league uh, that I found the criticism of them strange to varying degrees. Derek Carr was on that list. Now, Derek Carr is not having a good season. If he does this again next year in, in New Orleans, assuming with the new coaching staff, then I'm out on Derek Carr. So we'll put him to the side. 
Dak Prescott. Y'all know I'm the ultimate Dak Prescott fan and defender. Not sure why I have to defend him more on Dak and the Cowboys a little later. I think some of those folks who criticize Dak are backing off just a little bit. So I find the criticism of Dak over the years to be strange. And even more so, I find the criticism and the skepticism of Lamar to make literally no sense. None. And I'm hearing today, well, Lamar, Lamar Jackson cannot be the front runner for MVP because, I mean, he only has 24 touchdowns on the year. Oh, poor thing. The, the MVP, and this is what I have been banging this table for. I don't want to say banging this table. I don't beat up my table here. But what I've been saying for years in the NFL, more in the NBA, but certainly this year more than I ever have in the NFL, why don't we take into account the valuable part? So I said Christian McCaffrey is more valuable than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's not even the most valuable player in his own offense. Neither is Tua. Like both, both are franchise quarterbacks. Not the most valuable player in their own offense. Lamar Jackson is the offense in Baltimore. Did you see it last year when Lamar went down? They went from a team scoring darn near 30 points a game to a team barely breaking double digits. It was night and day. Now this year, Lamar's healthy. Lamar got paid. Lamar's happy with the Ravens organization, front office, and teammates. And you're getting the most out of him because of an offensive coordinator brought in, Todd Munkin, who plays to Lamar's strengths, with, which any great offensive coach does. Play to your quarterback's strengths. If there was ever any doubt about most valuable player, and today, Lamar's clearly that. Lamar's clearly the most valuable player in the league today, but we still have two weeks to go. It very well could come down the wire. I think McCaffrey's still in the mix. I, I'm still not ruling out Dak. Maybe Josh Allen sneaks in at some point or another. It's not over yet, but Lamar's certainly the front runner today. You saw the difference in a guy who is capable if the pieces are around him to a guy who's just, give me the dang ball. Let's go. I can make plays with my legs, can make plays with my arms. And Lamar is not the, and this is where I found the criticism weird. Lamar Jackson is not the stereotypical six foot four, six foot five guy, big strapping in the pocket monster arm, making all these throws. By the way, Lamar is actually an excellent pocket passer. I think I saw as well, he's the number one uh, passer in the NFL outside of the pocket in the NFL, number one according to Pro Football Focus. He's a different type of quarterback. That does not mean he cannot also be great simultaneously. It's the same thing I've always said about Steph Curry. And, and, and I said last week, there was a whole, hey, who's better, Steph or Shaq? And I said Steph, but that we'll talk about that another, another day. But I've said Steph is just as dominant as Shaq. Like, what the heck? Shaq could just triple team. It didn't matter. I said, no, no, no. There is no one way to be dominant. Shaq was physically dominant. Steph is a wear you down dominant where he can, uh, you know, come off of screens in Golden State, uh, create his own shot any way he wants to. Obviously, we know he, he can pull up from the parking lot. There are different ways to be dominant. There are different ways to be elite. There are different ways to be a quarterback, and they can all coincide into being great, which Lamar clearly is. He was worth every penny he asked for from the Baltimore Ravens and then some. We saw the Baltimore Ravens. No offense to this guy because he's playing darn well right now, but we saw the Ravens with Joe Flacco in 2018 floundering, dead in the water seemingly, play Lamar Jackson, and they make the playoffs. And that was <laughs> – Lamar was far from the finished product that he is now. Lamar's a far better pocket passer. Lamar's far more accurate. Lamar's just as mobile. By the way, he's put on some muscle over the years, which any great athlete does in order to keep your body in the best, best position, especially in the NFL, to take the hits that Lamar takes. 
There are different ways to be great. Not everybody has to look like Mahomes or Burrow or Trevor Lawrence or Josh Allen. They don't have to look the same. They can look like Lamar Jackson. And um, what he's doing, it's working pretty well. Lamar Jackson last night, by the way, against the second-best defense statistically uh, in all football. Look at Lamar's numbers. 23 of 35. 252, two touchdowns. Passer rating of 106 if you round up, 105.9 to be exact. QBR of 86. And uh, he also ran for 45 yards as well. There are different ways to be elite. And Lamar Jackson show you a new way to be elite. In the same sense that Michael Vick was, to a certain extent, when he was in his prime with Atlanta and for some years in Philadelphia as well. If you could possibly watch that game before or after, this is no revisionist history and say, <laughs> the guy in San Francisco, and again, I said this before the game, is more valuable than the guy in Baltimore, you're simply not watching the games. You're just looking at a good old box score, a stat sheet. That does not tell the whole story, ladies and gentlemen. Lamar Jackson has been, for a long time, top five quarterback in the NFL. And what do you say now if he's a two-time MVP? If he finishes the deal, goes on, beats Miami, hopefully he doesn't go on to beat my Steelers in Week 18 with playoff implications, but we'll see. Then what do you say? Well, he hasn't won the Super Bowl. Neither is Joe Burrow, neither is Josh Allen, and they don't have any MVPs at all. Lamar is, would at that point have two. I'm not saying Lamar's better than Burrow. I do believe he's better than Josh Allen. But we, we, we come up, we move the goalposts with this guy that we simply don't for other guys of his caliber. How do you think the Atlanta Falcons and the Indianapolis Colts, who have Anthony Richardson, sure, but some of these teams, the Washington Commanders, that had an opportunity to trade for Lamar Jackson, said, no, we're good with Desmond Ritter. We're good with Sam Howell instead of Lamar Jackson. How are they feeling today? Hats off to Lamar. I may be a, I may be a Steelers fan. Hope the Ravens flounder in the playoffs. Not necessarily counting on, but hoping they do. Always been a Lamar guy. The, the criticism of him has never at any point made an ounce of sense and doesn't have a whole lot of weight. And I say that even before last night. Shout out to Lamar Jackson. Shout out to the Ravens who made the statement of the NFL season. They did not beat San Francisco. They bullied San Francisco. Something that I frankly did not believe was possible. Hats off. Let's see. We got some comments up in here. Dennis Hopps Sr., He's got some emojis in there, a purple uh, heart, a football, uh, a flex emoji, 100%. Uh, he says, hashtag go Ravens. And there you go. Uh, my guy Devin says, Lamar is two, uh, 20 of one against NFC teams. And that's, that's a great point because, yeah, I, I heard a coach say that Lamar Jackson is the most difficult player in the NFL to game plan for when you've never faced him, which the NFC, you only face him. There's some new scheduling wrinkles in there because of the 17-game year. But generally, you don't play Lamar but every four years. And if you've never faced him before, which the 49ers had not, I th uh, I'm sorry, no, they faced him in 2019, but again, four years ago, uh, different guys, different defensive personnel in some some respects. He's 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 a nightmare, man. He's an absolute nightmare. And Dennis Hop Senior says hope to be 21 and one at the end of the season. Well, they, he won't be. Oh yeah, well, of course, yeah, Super Bowl. That's the only other NFC team he could play this year. So we'll see. My man Patrick Brown's in the comments. What's up, Patrick? Santa Chaos delivered two upset picks. Ravens over the Niners. Raider, Ravens over the Niners. Raiders over the Chiefs. Hope all had a merry Gridmas. I like what you did there. 
Yes, Merry Christmas, everybody out there. Shout out to to everybody here at the Grid Network. Yeah, was, uh, Patrick Tex uh, put it. We have a very lively Grid group chat, and he put in there that uh, he picked the Raiders. I'm like, hey, hats off. I'll get to Kansas City a little later in the show. Uh, I, I saw too that Monday Night Football has had eight straight upsets, which is I, I think is a record. So I guess the, the Monday Night game. There is no official Monday night game this upcoming week, but it's technically Dallas and Detroit on Saturday, you know, do some scheduling stuff. So uh, we'll we'll see if the Lions are able to continue that streak. Dallas is a six and a half point favorite. More on the Cowboys in just a second. But it's, it's, I've never understood with Lamar. The statistics have overwhelmingly been there. He's got an MVP. He was darn near 80% of his games. And by, by the way, by the way, something too. By the way, th- th- and this matters. Um, at least, at least it matters to me because I, if, if I'm nothing else, I'm consistent. When the Ravens beat the Bengals, that was a game that Joe Burrow went down, but Mark Andrews also went down for the Ravens as well. I remember here at that time, whispers, "Hey, can Lamar be MVP?" I said, uh, "Not yet." I said, "But if he plays well over these next few weeks with no Mark Andrews, given their schedule, it's gonna be hard to argue otherwise." Well, today. It's hard to argue otherwise. So Lamar did what I've been asking him to do the last few weeks to win this year's MVP award while I've always believed in him. So, hey, hats off to the guy, man. Heck of a leader. Works his tail off. Has gotten better every single year. I don't know what's not to like. Okay, he's not the pocket throw Joe Burrow is. He doesn't have the arm of Josh Allen. Now, there are different ways to be great, and Lamar Jackson is showing you his, his own different way, and shout out to him. All right. Transitioning now to... What was the second biggest game of the weekend? That would be the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins. Miami coming out with the W on a walk-off field goal, 22-20. to 20. I did pick Dallas to win this game. I actually picked Dallas to win this game relatively convincingly. I thought they had the ability to potentially push Miami uh, around the field, given the fact that they got humiliated. They themselves got humiliated last week uh, against the Buffalo Bills. So here's the thing. I'll get to. I'll touch on Miami, but obviously Dallas is the story today. So I'm hearing a lot of folks say, hey, yep, see, this is why they're not Super Bowl contenders, right? We get our hopes up on them. They, they got this winning streak going. They lose to Buffalo. Okay, sure. Everybody gets blown out. Like it happens. I saw a lot of folks saying, you know what? Let's not, let's not overreact too much. Buffalo's a great team at home. They have a great quarterback. Um, let's not panic. It's totally fair. But they're panicking today because of the loss to the Miami Dolphins. That depends. You, how you view the Cowboys as a Super Bowl contender is completely hinged upon why you believe they'd be a Super Bowl contender. That matters. Every week I've done Bryson's Best 10. By the way, we'll do that at the top of the next hour-ish. Top of the next hour, 7 o'clock Eastern. Every time I've gone over the Dallas Cowboys, who have been the constants that I talk about? Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. I've touched on the defense. I've touched on Mike McCarthy, both of which have had uneven years, but more good than bad, I think we would all, we would all agree on. Mike McCarthy's done a good job for a while there. There were people arguing, hey, is Mike McCarthy coach of the year? Hey, is this defense one of the best in the NFL? Well, today, both of the answers to those questions is a resounding no, but I'm not selling my Cowboys stock. Why? Because there are three reasons I picked the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl before the season started. I thought the offense would be better without Kellen Moore and more creative. It has, not on Sunday, but throughout the season, it has been. I thought the defense had the potential to be top five in the league. It's not. We'll see if they rebound against Detroit. And number three, most importantly, they have one of the five best quarterbacks on the face of God's green earth, Dak Prescott. 
And Dak did his part. Couple touchdowns, no turnovers. Twentieth. By the way, they gave him the fumble on the goal line on, on the handoff to Lipke. That was not, that was not not on Dak. I have no idea why they gave the fumble to Dak. But nonetheless, twenty thirty two, two fifty three passing, couple touchdowns, QBR fifty seven, which is above average. Thought it should have been higher, and a pass rating of one hundred eight. And when he left the field, he had the lead. I'm hearing this notion today. Hey, you know. Dak wasn't bad. Like nobody could like even Dak's biggest skeptics, biggest haters can't say he was bad, but uh, can't carry the Cowboys to big road wins. Uh, they didn't win, but I don't know how you can figure he can't carry them to such wins because again, when he left the field, he threw a freaking dot to Brandon Cooks to give him the 20 to 19 lead, left the field with three minutes and change to go. The next time Dak Prescott took the field, he was shaking to a tongue of Iloa and Mike McDaniel's hands at midfield. You certainly can't put this one on Dak. You can't put a lot of it on CeeDee Lamb, who the Cowboys oddly went away from in the second half. I'm not quite sure why. It's it it very weird. CeeDee Lamb had a monster first quarter, a monster fourth quarter, and was disappeared for quarters two and three. By the way, Dallas did not have Tyron Smith, their left tackle, and there was that play, the poor kid, I don't even know, know the guy's name, who was starting a left tackle for Tyron Smith. The player, Bradley Chubb, just comes around the end unblocked. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, uh, the guards already got the interior guy. Why on earth is is is, is the left tackle not taking, taking care of his assignment against Bradley Chubb? But nonetheless, I believe in this, Cow I still believe in this Cowboys team for the same reason I believed in it before the year. For, first and foremost, primarily, is a Dak. Now, the good news for Dallas is, now I, I provided some good news, but the even better news, and, and I'll get into Philadelphia a little later in the show because this ties into it a little bit, but I said coming into the week, and I wanted to make myself abundantly clear, the two biggest factors for Dallas as far as needing a win against Miami were A, proving they could be a good team on the road. They obviously did not do that. And B, any any chance they had at the number one seed, which was going to be slim anyway. I know San Francisco lost. Niners are still going to get the one seed when it's all said and done. They are. Uh, Dallas had some prayers chance. They still kind of do. The Niners would have to lose out, which they're not going to do. Niners are going to kick Washington's teeth in, come out this loss to Baltimore. That was it. The NFC East race in this game with Dallas was not effective one iota. Because if Dallas and Philly uh, finished with the same record, Dallas has the tiebreaker due to conference record. They have, a, they have a better record within the NFC. Well, they lost the Dolphins, who are an AFC team, so Dallas is just as alive to win the division today as they were coming into the week. And judging how Philly's playing, getting the Eagles a little later, still looks very probable. Now, Dallas, of course, has to take care of business. I will say this, though. Saturday against Detroit. Now, Detroit's flying high as they should be, coming off that division title, first one in 30 years against the Minnesota Vikings. Jared Goff and the offense is humming. Defense-wise, still don't totally trust it, is, is, is making the necessary plays when they have to. Again, they're playing Nick Mullins, so you got to kind of grade in a curve there uh, to a certain extent. But Dallas, two-game losing streak. They're darn near unstoppable. Average 40 points a game at home. Excuse me, facing, facing the Detroit Lions, who are a federal contender in the NFC. You got to win this game. Now, if Dallas loses this game to Detroit, then I'm officially out. My pick's locked in. I won't move off my pick officially because I believe in pick integrity, but I'm out. But as long as you have that guy number four at quarterback, you can win any game you play. Any game you play. Against San Francisco, against certainly against Philadelphia, against Detroit, which we'll see on Saturday nights, against the Rams who are surging, against Seattle who we just beat 
earlier in the year. I'm more concerned about the defense. I'm more concerned about Micah Parsons, who has, who's out here uh, putting out hate tweets about Brock Purdy. Bruh, uh, what do you worry about Brock Purdy for? You haven't played him in, in, in two months. If you, if, you, if you don't start playing well, you may not face Brock Purdy in the playoffs. So Micah Parsons, to me, is far more the problem than Dak, than CeeDee Lamb. The play calling by McCarthy was odd. I'll tell you this, too. Then I'll shift to Miami for a moment. But I'll tell you what was odd. Really odd. Is the play, and it's, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, pick on the Cowboys too much over this because I see it across the NFL and it makes no sense to me. Is when you're up one, it's 2019 with three minutes to go. When you're up one and you're playing the soft man coverage, Buffalo did it and it cost them the game against Philadelphia. We've seen other teams do it this season. We saw the Cowboys do it to Miami. I mean, the Cowboys face multiple. Third downs on that drive, the Dolphins, when they drove down the field and and, and Jason Myers, uh, or Myers Sanders, Jason, I'm sorry, Sanders, um, kicked the walk-off field goal at the end. But Miami faced a third down and three. Miami faced a third down and uh, two. And Miami uh, faced a, no, that was the only two third downs they faced in that drive. But they're playing the soft man coverage, giving Tyreek all this cushion. Don't get it. By the way, they're giving a running room to Achan or to Mostert. Behind a Miami offensive line that played pretty darn well over the course of that game. Like it's, and I think Dan Quinn's a phenomenal defensive coordinator, but that was really weird. The, I mean, I'd say one of the only defensive coordinators I don't see do that is Wink Martindale with the New York Giants. Like we know Wink Martindale loves to blitz. Like that's his identity. That's the Giants' identity. Uh, I'm not saying Dan Quinn has to do that, but, it, and again, I don't want to just pick on him, but across the league, that defense in that situation, when you know the other team is not trying to score a touchdown. They're not. They're like, let's just get this thing in a short range, which they did. It was a 29-yard attempt, I think, by, by Jason Sanders. So basically a chip shot is shorter than an extra point. And that's the defense you throw that. That was really, really weird. I, I did not love that in the part of Dallas. As for Miami, look, they certainly removed the monkey off their back for the, in, in the sense that, hey, we can't beat a good team. We, we, we get blown out by good teams, got blown out by Buffalo, got kind of blown out by Philadelphia. The offense only scored 10 points. The defense got a touchdown on their own to get it to 17. And offense couldn't do much against Kansas City, despite the fact that we shut out the Chiefs in the second half. Like, not feeling great about where we're at in that regard. Well, you got a desperate Dallas team coming in, need a road win against a great team, and you get it done. Yes, there was the goal line fumble, which... If Lipke punches that in, or simply if Mike McCarthy just sneaks it with Dak, which was odd, or if Tony Pollard tries to get the edge on the on the safety and the play before, that was a really weird sequence of events for the Cowboys. It's probably a different conversation. We're having a very different it's a very different story regarding the Miami Dolphins. But as as again, Baltimore's the clear favorite in the AFC. I think we all agree on that. But as much as Kansas City's floundering, Buffalo is good, but we don't totally trust them when it's all said and done. Whoever the heck win the, wins the AFC South is either as a hurt quarterback or a backup quarterback. I mean, you start looking around the AFC, like this is about as good of a shot as Miami's going to have. The defense is excellent. Ever since Jalen Ramsey came back, and I was dead wrong about that trade, Jalen Ramsey has more than paid his, his due with the with the Los Angeles Rams. Vic Fangio is a great defensive coordinator. But Mike McDaniel's got the most out of Tua, who's had probably the best season of his career. Tyreek, now the injury to Waddle's a big one, but you hope he can come back sooner rather than later. But listen, if Miami can, they got at Baltimore next week, which is brutal. But I'll tell you, though, Ravens only favor minus three and a half. So that tells you a little bit what they think about Miami. And then they obviously have a home game against a desperate Buffalo Bills team. If they can potentially split these games, you know, finish their season, what would they be at that point? Dolphins would be, gosh darn it, they would be 12-5 and five division champions? Yeah, I'd take that any day of the week. 
be the two seed in the conference, probably face some, I hate to say this, but <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers team or something like that. Hey, you never know. Let's see. Dennis Hopp Sr. Lamar is special. If he doesn't get the regular season MVP, we won't be less proud of him. We won a Super Bowl, and he doesn't have to be the MVP either. He's that valuable. Yes, he is. John John. John Rivera in the comments. Let's go Jets. Hey, you got a little dice there for a moment. Okay, against the Washington Commanders. Washington came back, took the lead, but hats off to, to the Jets for, for putting together a drive there at the end. Trevor Simeon and the Jets offense putting together a drive to, to knock off the Washington Commanders. And, hey, even though it doesn't have playoff implications, good one for the Jets. I'll recap some of the Week 16 NFL action a little later. But if you're selling, again, if you're selling your stock on Dallas, that tells me you, or at least if you bought into them and now you're selling your stock, that tells me that's because you believe the defense could be great, which, by the way, I did too. Um, you thought they'd be better situationally, which is a totally fair criticism. They're not great situationally under McCarthy. Like, those are, I understand that. Primary reason for me picking them was the quarterback. And frankly, these days, the wide receiver, who C.D. Lamb is, is, is an incredible talent. And by the way, something else too, not to play... Not to play, put this card in the mix necessarily, but didn't that sort of feel like the typical Cowboys loss where the quarterback's amazing? In this case, the number one receiver's amazing and basically nobody else shows up. I mean, I get the defense forced field goals, but virtually all of Miami's offensive drives ended in Dallas territory. Okay. And Cowboys defense ain't looked so good three of the last four weeks. Seattle went up and down the field on Miami went up and down the field on Buffalo, hit, hit them in the mouth. Big test given Detroit. And by the way, that game's obviously in Jerry World, so it's indoors in a dome. We know that's where the Lions flourish. That could be a very, very high-scoring affair given how those, both of those defenses are playing about how both of those offenses are playing. Dallas, though, man, Vegas loves Dallas. I'll tell you that. Six-and-a-half-point favorite. So this, to me, is kind of like the... This is the do-or-die moment for Dallas. So obviously, they're going to make the playoffs, but... Are you a contender? Because we know you got to be playing your best football in December slash early January in order to make a run. Dallas not doing that so much, certainly on the defensive side, uh, at least off, and certainly on the offensive side in the Buffalo game. But in the game, in the season with a two-game winning streak, have a chance to win the division and go from there. Now, I still believe Dallas is going to win the division. Not just because I think they're going to win their last two games, but because they are going to get help from Philadelphia. Um... I'm completely out on the Eagles as a Super Bowl contender. Out. Done. See you in 2024. That, that, I, I'm, I'm out. It's it, it's over. So the Eagles yesterday, Christmas Day, Lincoln Financial Field continued their long winning streak against the New York Giants, 133-25. And I am actually less impressed now with Philadelphia than I was before the game, and I wasn't terribly impressed before the game because of that terrible game-winning drive given up against Drew Locke. Now, I have been... I've been a big Jalen guy over the last year. I was very skeptical about Jalen at first. I know a lot of folks are like, oh, Jalen, that one outlier year. Guys, and I hate to play this card, but I, I, I got to because I, I have eyeballs and I watch the games. Jalen is hurt. Jalen is beat up. Jalen's been beat up. Now, that does not excuse that one throw he made when uh, Adoree Jackson took it to the house. I know I, I know Dallas Goddard slipped, but that still wasn't a good decision by Jalen Goddard. And when I look back at the play, Goddard had slipped before Jalen had let go of the football. So the, the, in this split seconds, it's, 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 it's minuscule, but Jalen still should not have made that throw in that situation. Be that as it may, the dude's beat up. He is. It's, it's, I'm not making excuses. The guy is freaking hurt right now. By the way, he's still playing relatively well. Okay? Had a touchdown rushing. 
Touchdown passing, 300 yards through the air. It's pretty good. Jalen's a pretty good quarterback, believe it or not. Eagles offense, love it. Love all of Philadelphia's offensive personnel. Love Jalen, love DeAndre Swift. He was excellent in that game yesterday against the New York Giants. Offensive line is amazing. Maybe the best in football, either them or Detroit. Uh, A.J. Brown, when his head's in the game, is excellent. Devontae Smith's really good. And Dallas Goddard's a top 10 tight end. Love their offensive personnel. But I've been sounding this alarm from week one in that loss. I'm sorry, that win against the New England Patriots. When Mac Jones threw for 300 yards against the Eagles, I'm like, ooh, ooh, this might not be the same Eagles defense it was a year ago. Jonathan Gann is now with the Arizona Cardinals. Turns out that might actually be a much bigger loss than we gave it credit for coming in. Because this Eagles defense is nothing short of atrocious. Tommy DeVito. Looks like his insanity runs over. But Tommy DeVito gets benched in this game. And here comes Tyrod Taylor. Now, Tyrod Taylor's been one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, he has been. But I didn't think he was 77, uh, QBR of 77 good. I didn't think he was that good. And what is terribly concerning about Philadelphia, and it's by the way, it's one of the things that I, I gave them a lot of love for. Uh, coming into this or coming into this this stretch run, e- even after the loss against San Francisco, I said if there's one thing about Philadelphia, man, they're great situationally. I can't even say that about them now. Here's a fun stat, or not fun if you're an Eagles fan, fun if you don't like the Eagles like myself. But this is a list of the worst. I don't have the graphic on here for the screen, but I'll read it for you. The worst point differential of uh, the worst point differential teams in the NFL in the final two minutes of halves this season. So first half, second half. Last two minutes, and we know those are situation. That's situational football at its peak. Worst point differential in those situations. The Giants are a negative thirty-three. The Saints are a negative thirty-five. The Chargers are a negative thirty-six. The Bears are a negative forty. All of those teams are going to miss the playoffs. Again, Bears second worst in the league, negative forty, minus forty. The Eagles are minus sixty-five in the last two minutes of halves. This season, first half, second half. We know the defense is bad. And this is why when I saw the line, like Eagles minus 14, I'm like, you're out of your freaking mind if you take the Eagles to cover this spread. You're out of your mind. Sure, the offense is good. Sure, the Giants are floundering offensively. Every, every, it seemed like every offensive league has its best performance when they face Philadelphia. Tyra Taylor looked pretty good. If it's not for a couple of drops, a couple of questionable officiating calls against the Giants, I may win that game. We may be having a very different conversation about Philadelphia. So, yeah, I think the Eagles have another loss in them. Whether it's to Arizona, whether it's to the Giants in Week 18, probably Tyrod Taylor starting at quarterback in that game as well. Maybe Tyrod Taylor gets benched for DeVito, and he wins the game. Does this team look like a Super Bowl contender? We certainly see it last night, notwithstanding. We see it with San Francisco. That roster's awesome. We've seen it with Detroit, at least offensively. We've seen it with Dallas, at least from the quarterback position and their starting wide receiver. And at times, not much these days, but at times defensively. Heck, we see it with the Rams and the streak that they're on over the last month and a half. Can you tell me the, the last... Uh, tell, oh, let me shift it this way. Let me ask this question, Eagles fans. What does Philadelphia do very well? Not even great. Very well. Consistently. Brotherly shove. That's it. Now, by the way, I'm not as anti, and I, and I hate the Eagles. I'm not as anti-brotherly shove as everybody else is. My mindset is stop it. If you don't like it, stop it. Otherwise, quit crying, quit complaining, quit moaning. Okay, they're going to run it. Um, This is miles away from being a Super Bowl team. Miles away from being a contender 
in any sense of the word. I fought back against this narrative for weeks. I did. But when new information presents itself, you got to shift your opinion. I'm not going to stand on, uh, on a point just for the sake of standing on a point if it ends up being very, very wrong. We have one team every single year, and my guy Barry Grant Jr., I want to give props to Stu because he was the first one I heard say this. Uh, Barry Grant Jr., co-founder of The Grid, all even podcast here in The Grid. Check his stuff out. But I heard Barry say this, that we have one team every year that wins double-digit games, makes the playoffs. Hey, maybe wins their division. They're really, they're kind of frauds. 2020 Steelers, 2021 Cardinals, 2022 Minnesota Vikings, add 2023 Philadelphia Eagles to that list. They're frauds. Love their quarterback. Love their offensive personnel. But there's a disconnect. Your quarterback's questioning guys' commitment last week. You have Devontae Smith saying this week, yeah, we're not playing that well. Devontae Smith, and I quote, said, we won 11 games, and I'm not happy. I don't like how we're playing. Nor should he, because they're not playing well. Offensively, they're fine. I, I Again, love their pieces there. Defensively, they're atrocious. I mean, at, at some point, we are... We are in week 16 going into week 17. The Eagles have played 15 football games. At some point, it's kind of who you are. They've, they've tried to make a defensive coaching change to Matt Patricia. That hasn't worked. Maybe it's just the players aren't that good. Maybe Darius Slay is having a big time down year, and more so is James Bradbury. Maybe like, there's a reason the Colts let go of Darius Leonard. Maybe there's a reason that the, the Titans traded uh, Kevin Bynard. Love Philadelphia's defensive line. That's it. Linebacking core, and especially the secondary, is nothing short of atrocious. And by the way, again, they struggle to put games away. When the Giants were driving, and where were they down? Five points at this at this particular juncture in the game? They're down five points uh, are the Giants. They're trying to drive down the field. They get stopped on fourth down. At this point, the score is, I'm sorry, they score a touchdown. It's 30-25, to 25, okay? Eagles have the ball with five minutes to go. And they're completely unable to drain the clock out against the Giants' defense, which isn't very isn't very good against the run. And with a minute 10, Giants have the ball, a minute 10 to go. They drive it in, gosh, what, a minute and a half? Or sorry, a minute and a half, a minute and five seconds, almost to Philadelphia's red zone with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback in that offensive line. But the Giants team that's won five games this season, and you expect me to call you a Super Bowl contender? I was in on Philly after that win against Buffalo. I was. I'm like, hey, not only are you winning close games, you're winning close games against really good football teams. Kansas City, Buffalo, Miami, Dallas. Got blown out against San Francisco, blown out against Dallas. Gave up a 92-yard game-winning drive to Drew Locke. And Tyrod Taylor almost beat you in the end. I mean, what are we talking about? Philadelphia has another loss in them. Now, the question is, will Dallas take care of their end of the, uh, their end of the bargain? If they do, Cowboys get the two seed. And Philadelphia is, is the five seed going to Tampa Bay, and they'll lose to Tampa Bay. It's that simple. Philadelphia, whatever the matchup is, if it's Seattle uh, as a two seed, if it's the Rams as the three seed, definitely they'll, lose, they'll absolutely lose to the Rams. And if they face Tampa as the five seed, the way Tampa's playing, the way Baker's cooking teams right now, cooking defenses, you're telling me Baker couldn't cook this Eagles defense? Out. Done. Over. Eagles are not Super Bowl contenders in any sense. Do they look like a Super Bowl contender? Again, I just thought about with Dallas. You want to be playing your best football at the end of the year. Is Philly? Let's, let's be honest now. This defense is bad. When Mac Jones went up and down the field, I was like, oh boy. That's, that's not great. Not great. Before I even shift to 
some of the other games in the NFL in week 16. Feel free to hit that big red subscribe button, like, share, comment. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, so if you have not subscribed, please hit that big red subscribe button, become part of the Carving It Up family. Uh, and also, 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 be sure to tell a friend to tell a friend about it to subscribe as well. Let's get to 1,000 by the Super Bowl. I believe we can do it. All right. Shifting now, or not I'm not even shifting to the Chiefs game for just a moment. I did want to do a quick recap of the other Week 16 games in the NFL. How about my Steelers, baby? Come on now. Uh, you know what? Let's. I'm not even the Steelers necessarily, just, just individually, okay? Or I shouldn't say collective. It's the team. I knew the defense was good. Every Steelers fan, every NFL fan knows the defense is good. Okay, TJ Watts awesome should be the runaway favorite for defensive player of the year. Don't know what Vegas is thinking right now. Mason Rudolph. I mean, my guy. You come in, you have a pass rating of 124. You lead the Steelers to your uh, the first 30-point game of the season. And one of the Steelers and Mike Tomlin announced today that he's going to be a starter against Seattle this week. Hey, you know, look what happens when you get the ball in George Pickens' hands. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? When you get the ball to your best players offensively, great things happen. And I picked Cincinnati win this game, man. I was out on Pittsburgh, and I still, and I still say that there needs to be serious, serious systematic changes in Pittsburgh in terms of play calling, in terms of establishing and embracing an offensive identity because that's what wins in the NFL today. You can have a great defense. San Francisco has a great defense. Baltimore has a great defense. They're nothing without their quarterbacks. Nothing. Or Pittsburgh, or, sorry, San Francisco more the team and collectively more than the quarterback. Baltimore certainly the quarterback. Um, God, if you could, if you drafted Jaden Daniels potentially middle of the first round, if Bo Nix slips, I don't know. There's some guys out there. But how, shout out Mason Rudolph, man. That was that was a good game. That was just a great opportunity for me to finally sit back, enjoy a Steelers game. You blow out the division rival Bengals, probably in their playoff hopes when it's all said and done. When you look at Cincinnati's schedule moving forward, it was a great night. It was a great night to be a Steelers fan, okay? It really was. I enjoyed every second of it. Shout out George Pickens, okay? Four catches for a buck 95, two touchdowns. I've been saying... When you get the ball in his hands, he's about as dangerous a wide receiver as there is in the sport. But you got to get the ball in his hands. Let's go Steelers. Bills beat the Chargers 24-22. More, more on the Bills on Bryce's best 10. I don't want to say too much beforehand, but uh, this is exactly why I don't really buy the Bills as a serious contender in the AFC. Because games like this, hot and cold, hot and cold, up and down. Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, it's unbelievable. If I can't, it's kind of the old saying, that if I have more questions than answers about you and your team, what you're capable of doing, then you're not a Super Bowl contender or a championship contender in any sport. It is, it's, it's tales all time. And I've, I've only come around to it this year with Buffalo, but man, they could look like the best team, in the AFC one week against the Dallas Cowboys. And then the next week, struggle to be Easton stick at quarterback for the LA chargers. You tell me. Browns beat the Texans badly, 36-22, and the score does not indicate how much of a beatdown this was. Flacco, Joe Flacco with three more touchdowns passing and a QBR 0-100 to of 87. Uh, by the way, this is without not much of a run game for Cleveland. Amari Cooper was awesome, 11 catches for 265, two touchdowns. Watch him disappear next week. Um, and the Browns were excellent. I hate the Browns. I know they're going to flounder when it's all said and done. They're going to collapse because that's what Cleveland sports does. I'm just I'm, – I'm here to – Enjoy when that happens in the first round of the playoffs. But nonetheless, shout out Joe Flacco. Really cool story. Potential comeback player of the year candidate. John John mentioned in the comments, let's go Jets. Jets barely skating by the Washington Commanders 30-28. to 
Uh, Jets blow a 20 to nothing lead. Washington took the lead in the fourth quarter, but Trevor Simeon driving the guys down the field for the walk-off field goal by Greg Zerline. So shout out to the Jets. Um, bouncing back from an embarrassing loss to Miami and getting this W. Uh, they are obviously still out of the playoffs, and obviously Ron Rivera is going to be gone in Washington. After the at the end of the season, Seahawks Titans was an interesting game. Two defensive minded coaches, two defensive minded teams. Geno Smith, couple touchdowns passing. Uh, Derrick Henry with a passing touchdown in this game. He, man, he is a weapon there down there in the goal line, down there in the red zone, man. But Tennessee, like they have all season long, because they have a great coach. They play hard, they play close. Seattle is the better roster. Seattle is the better quarterback with Geno over to Ryan Tannehill, and that's where they were able to pull it out at the end. Some good situational football by Seattle, who's right back in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's what Pete Carroll does. You know, injuries, you go through some rough patches. Seahawks went through a brutal stretch against the Niners twice and the Cowboys in Philadelphia, and they come out of it eight and seven, and they got Pittsburgh next week, and big game for my Steelers. Who the Seahawks play in week 18? They play the Cardinals, okay? So it's a very winnable game to potentially get in the playoffs as the seventh seed, potentially even the sixth seed if the Rams falter down the stretch. I did not see this one coming. Falcons knocking off the Colts badly, 29-10. to 10. Shout out Taylor Heineke for impressive performance. Uh, Gardner Minshew, again, this is why I say low-end starter, high-end backups. I know everybody loves Minshew mania. I've been a big, big Gardner Minshew guy for years now, and I think he's one of, if not the best backup quarterback in the NFL, but he is a backup. Low-end starter, high-end backup. You don't want him to be your number one guy, but if he, he's a guy to come in for your injured starter and win some games, which he's done this season to his credit, you're going to be in good shape. But tough loss for the Colts. I, I This is one of my more confident picks of the, of the week is Indianapolis over, over Atlanta. I did not have a good week predicting games. I don't know if it was the the holidays making me all optimistic about this stuff, but, man, this is not a good way. I'm going eight and eight in my picks this week. It's not great. It's not great, but I'll bounce back this week, though. That's that's the confidence you got to have. Packers barely knocking off the Panthers, and I said I was riding the money in this one, okay? I, 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 I told y'all, this is the Bryce's Bleak bet game. As I say, Bryce's Bleak bet one game every week that I have zero confidence in the result that I'm predicting, but I got to predict them all. And Jordan Love props to him at a good game, but Carolina down a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and this Packers, de- this Packers defense is, is on par with Philadelphia's defense statistically and what they've shown over the last month or so. Bryce Young having by far his best game as a, as a Panther and as a rookie. QBR of 78 out of 0 to 100 and a pass rating of 110, a couple touchdowns. And Panthers went up and down the field in the fourth quarter to tie the game, and hats off to Jordan Love and the Packers for, for leading a, a drive to keep their playoff hopes alive at 7-8. and eight. I was that close to coming in as she has she's had Ozzie, but alas... That will have to wait until the end of the season when the Packers miss the playoffs. Lions beat the Vikings, and this is a special edition, uh, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Shout out to Dan Campbell. Shout out to the Detroit Lions. I picked them before the year to make the NFC title game. I believed in them from the jump. Still have questions about their defense. I like their defense a lot more coming into the season than I do now. But nonetheless, Lions' first division title since Bill Clinton's first year as president. It's been three decades exactly, and uh, Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions, have every right to celebrate, and Oprah, Dan Campbell, what did the Lions do to the Vikings and to the NFC North as a whole? Kneecap. 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 So happy for Dan Campbell, so happy for the Detroit Lions, and listen, this is a guy, I, I gotta admit, y'all, I, I kind of mocked him. You hear the the, 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 the soundbite from that press conference, that opening press conference when he was hired in early 2021, I'm like... Uh, I don't. I don't think it's gonna work. And given Detroit's history, it's kind of a losing culture historically. The curse of Bobby Lane continues. But man, this guy, this this goes to show you, man, that you can be the smartest dude in the room. You know, I think Josh McDaniels is a pretty smart guy. I think Matt Patricia, pretty smart guy. But they're both kind of arrogant. 
neither are great leaders. Both of them obviously coming from, from the, the tutelage of Bill Belichick. Dan Campbell's the type of dude, players coach, and sets and builds a culture and sets a standard. Lions won three games in 2021, but were competitive for almost all of them. They won nine games in 2022, nearly made the playoffs, came back close, and now this year they've won 11 games and counting and uh, are in a great shape. They, they'll have at least one home playoff game and still are still very much alive. They're currently the two seeds we see here today. If they beat Dallas this week, that's all but locked up. So shout-out, big-time shout-out to the Detroit Lions. Happy for that fan base, happy for that franchise. They, they had Eminem so excited. He was, like, uh, sending out the wrong tweets. Shout out, shout out Marshall Mathers, shout out Lions fans and the Detroit Lions as a whole. Buccaneers knocked out the Jaguars in dominant fashion, 30 to 12. Baker Mayfield, I, I keep saying it, that I have been the biggest Baker skeptic for a very long time. I did not think he should have went number one in 2020, I'm sorry, in 2018 uh, for the, to the Cleveland Browns. And obviously, we look back now, he obviously shouldn't have because Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson were in that draft, but still, guy was kind of left for dead in Tampa Bay. Let's be honest. He was left for dead. It was over. We were never going to see Baker Mayfield again as a as a consistent starting quarterback in the NFL. And he comes to Tampa Bay. Brady's just retired. We have no expectations. It seems like across the board, everybody, myself included, picked the Bucs to finish last place in the division. <laughs> Look at them right now. They're eight and seven. I think. I think if they win this week, they clinch the division because they play the Saints in Tampa Bay. And if they win this week, Tampa Bay will, I, I believe, clinch the NFC South and host a home playoff game once again for the third year in a row. So, sh shout out Baker Mayfield. Couple touchdowns. QBR 0-100 to of 90. Absolutely carved up this, this Jacksonville Jaguars defense. As for Jacksonville, look, their playoff hopes are far from dashed. Uh, they're still in first place as we sit here today in the AFC South. But this is prime, and I, this is not revisionist history, ladies and gentlemen. I said this from the moment Trevor went down. I said it at that very next show on that Wednesday. This is peak quarterback mismanagement. When you have these long-time, losing, desperate franchises, and they land a generational talent like a Trevor Lawrence, they don't know how to handle themselves. They don't. You know, it's kind of like when the kid who maybe gets picked on a lot at school, but somehow he ends up landing the homecoming queen as a date. And he's kind of feeling himself and a little overconfident. And everybody's like, uh, give it time. That's how it is with the Jacksonville Jaguars, with Trevor Lawrence. You land a generational talent. By the way, in the games, the three games leading up to, and including the the injured uh, the game where he suffered the injury against against the Cincinnati Bengals he had nine touchdowns in those games he was beginning to catch fire just like a year ago then he goes down with the ankle injury and I said that next show you can quote me verbatim I'd sit in the next two weeks I think they played Cleveland that next week big tough physical defense what a great game to trot out a hurt quarterback against and then who was the next game Baltimore big tough physical defense let's try him back out there for that game as well. What a great idea. And all of a sudden, shocker, shocker, Trevor has a bad ankle, got concussed last week, and left the game due to injury because of a shoulder against Tampa. Peak, peak, peak quarterback mismanagement from the Jacksonville Jaguars. They still may make the playoffs. This is a team I have making the AFC title game coming into the season. This is a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who I had as the MVP favorite, uh, or not the MVP favorite, but my MVP pick coming into the season. Uh... I'm not surprised at all. When you mismanage your quarterback like this, when you take your great quarterback, your franchise guy for granted, this is what you get. You get a three-game losing streak. You get bad quarterback play. And you are, in essence, basically, I'm sorry, a four-game losing streak. I, I sold them short in that loss to Cincinnati. 
you are pretty much dead in the water. You'll face Cleveland again in all likelihood in the first round of the playoffs. Jacksonville's going to win the division. The Indianapolis stop. Houston, still kind of a young team. Still could get in the playoffs potentially. We'll see. But, yeah, I, I am this – is, this is, by the way, it's what Cincinnati did with Burrow, too, early in the season. When your quarterback's hurt and it's not, it's unless it is literally a playoff game or a week 17, 18 game where you need it to stay in playoff contention, man, sit your quarterback two weeks, win the battle, not the war. I'm sorry, win the war, not the battle, rather. Think long term, not short term, but it's what Jacksonville does and they're paying the price for it. Feel bad for Trevor, though, I'll tell you that. Feel very good for Baker Mayfield. Been a Baker skeptic for a while, but hats off to him. Bears knocking out the Cardinals. Justin Fields playing very, very good football right now of the last few weeks, trying to ensure that he keeps his job long-term in in uh, Chicago because it looks like the Bears, due to Carolina's continued losing, is going to are going to get the number one pick of the draft and potentially have a shot at Caleb Williams. Again, I maintain I would draft Caleb. I think what's happening right now with the Bears is about the best-case scenario you could have. It's the best-case scenario you could have because it basically saves Matt Eberflus' job. He's going to be back next year for year three with a lot of expectations. You clearly have the weapons. Justin Fields is playing the best football of his career, and his stock will never be higher. You have a shot at a generational talent quarterback. Don't blow it. That's all i got to say about Chicago Bears. We'll see what they do. Uh, Arizona, though, on the other hand, this is my upset of the week. Uh, I think they got another win in them. Let's put it that way. And obviously I recapped all the Christmas games, except for the first one featuring the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> Shock of the day and shout out to my man, Patrick, man. He called this one from the jump. Santa chaos. The Raiders beating the Chiefs 20-14. Patrick Mahomes playing a very bad game and a pick six and a fumble off of a missed handoff. is a weird play that got returned for a touchdown as well. Uh, Mahomes had a pass rating in the mid-70s. So uh, by no, by in no way, shape, or form did Patrick Mahomes play well. Did this Chiefs offense play well? This is, and, and again, this it, when he, we talk about selling your stock on a team, you hear me keep using that word or using that phrase, rather. It all comes down to why you believed in them in the first place. Now, we had every reason to believe coming into the season, it's why I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, go back-to-back for the first time, or the first back-to-back Super Bowl champions since Brady's Patriots early in that dynasty, that, hey, best quarterback in the world, best tight end in the world, best coach in the world, and they'll somehow make the other receivers work. And by the way, something I pointed out pretty early on, great defense. And by the way, defense was great. Uh, that last drive, they struggled, couldn't get that stop on the Vegas Raiders offense, and particularly, in, particularly, in particular, the running game. But thought the, the offense would be explosive, it really hasn't for the vast majority of the season. I said last week when they beat New England, albeit a terrible New England team, but I said when they beat New England, look, <laughs> you know, this is this is a prime situation where the Patriots and Brady were in. Great quarterback, great all-time quarterback, great all-time tight end, Gronk, who was kind of faltering at the end of his career, good situationally, and a great defense. Kind of reminds me of the 2018 Patriots to a certain degree. By the way, they had injuries at running back that year in 2018. Brady kind of struggled. They weren't very good on the road. Uh, now, they were good at home. That's the only difference between this Chiefs team and that Patriots team. Chiefs have lost a lot of home games, which is a bit concerning. Maybe going on the road will we'll kind of get the ship righted. But this is kind of what I thought the Chiefs would be, even last week. I did not see them losing to Vegas. I'm not going to go all revisionist history because I did not think they'd lose to the Raiders. I didn't. But when you're in a situation where your ride receiving core might be the worst in football, We've all kind of acknowledged that over the last couple of months or so when Travis Kelsey seems to be receding just a little bit. By the way, to me, the shock, 
dear Lord, this offensive line, what is going on? I mean, you're seeing Mahomes on the sideline getting up in these guys' face like, guys, block for me. What are we doing? So the Chiefs' offensive line isn't playing well. Chiefs' wide receiving core is continuously terrible. And by the way, the big concern if you're a Chiefs fan is that, man, I mean, at least they were separating. Remember, we all were like, we were all like, man, the Chiefs' offense would be just as good as last year if they could just catch the ball. Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, just catch the football. Just, just put your hands on it, catch the ball. Now they can't even separate. Now Vegas' defense, to their credit, has been much, much better, much better since the interim head coach took over Antonio Pierce, but it's not that good. I mean, at least what they've shown recently. Rough, rough game for Kansas City offensively. The fact that receivers came to separate this point with, with as creative a coach they have, with as dynamic a quarterback, playmaking guy they have with Mahomes, a bit concerning. Now, I'm not selling all my stock of the Chiefs. The Ravens are obviously today clearly better than the Chiefs, and chances are it might come down to those two to win the AFC. Obviously, we'll see what, what happens with Miami and other teams, but a really, really disappointing loss to the Chiefs. But I'm not totally out on them because the defense is still good. From start to finish, that KC defense has been very, very good to elite. Mahomes is still there, and that's, again, we 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 do need to give Mahomes the same treatment we gave Brady, where it's, yeah, Patriots don't have that good of a roster. Not doubting Tom, though. Well, in this case, not doubting Patrick. Two MVPs, two championships in his first five years in the league. Not doubting that guy. Not doubting Andy Reid, one of the best head coaches ever. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to jump yet. Not yet, at least. By the way, I did forget to mention the Broncos uh, losing to the Patriots. Bailey Zappi, Zappi time, leading a game-winning drive and a walk-off field goal at the very end at the gun. Broncos made a valiant effort to come back, but that, I would, listen, as a Steelers fan, I was thrilled to see Denver go down because that really helped our, our playoff chances. As many teams in front of us that can lose as possible, you you take that, you give that a, a big, big thumbs up. But... Rough loss for Kansas City, but I'm not totally out on them just yet. Bryson's best, Tim, in about 10 minutes or so. But as I said, so it's a, it's a weird Tuesday show. By the way, 8 o'clock spot. I should have mentioned this earlier. I apologize. 8 o'clock spot, one hour from now on the Grid Network. I obviously host the show. I'm the uh, host slash moderator. We're going to have an all Cowboys can fan. And if you don't know who those guys are, please, in the meantime, check their stuff out on the grid and on their YouTube channel, the Cowboys camp fan, AJ, Anthony, uh, Adam, three co-hosts, the three amigos, so to speak, of that show, the bandwagon boys and Anthony leading the show, doing great, great stuff. I know they're obviously not, not too happy after that Cowboys loss to the Miami Dolphins, but great, great dudes. Been on their show multiple times. Had I've had Adam on my show. I've had Adam and AJ on the 8 o'clock spot, and this time Ant will make his debut. But an all-Cowboys camp fan, 8 o'clock spot, I promise you, I promise you, you do not want to miss this an hour. It's going to be an absolute blast with those guys. Cannot wait. It's going to be very, very fun. So the 8 o'clock spot one hour from now. So again, though, carving it up on a Tuesday. It's not typical, but Christmas falling on Monday. I was not going to do a show on Christmas, or at least Christmas uh, night when I normally do my show. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to sort of combine Monday show and Wednesday show. So we got Bryson's Best 10, which is on Wednesday show every week uh, in about 10 minutes or so. But also... One of my favorite segments introduced it along with Bryce's Best 10 this week. It is now time for this week's edition of Carving Up the Context. And listen, as primetime Deion Sanders himself says, give me my theme music.
On this week's edition of Carving Up the Context, we shift to the association. Now, the NBA Christmas Day has been a fixture for a very long time. Now, it's it's kind of unfortunate that the NFL sort of taken it over, although I, I get why they played the games yesterday because it's a Monday. I understand that. But it's NBA and Christmas just feels synonymous. The NFL and Christmas really does. The NFL and Thanksgiving certainly does. We had some really interesting games, though, yesterday. Uh, my Warriors barely lost to Denver. That was a fun one. Um, the game last night, Luca absolutely torching the Phoenix Suns for 50. That was fun as well. And in that game, by the way, features a player in Kevin Durant who's not very happy about what's going on uh, in Phoenix. So according to Adrian Wojnarowski, get his name right, uh, it is Kevin Durant is not happy in Phoenix, Arizona right now. He has the body language is not there. He is frustrated with the team's uh, lack of effort uh, defensively or lack of progress and success defensively. Offensively, they're in a bit of a rut uh, at times while KD is, is out there averaging 30 a game, being his usual amazing self. And I'm going to defend Kevin Durant today. I'm going to defend Kevin Durant today because everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, when he doesn't play with the most unstoppable team ever in Golden State, he just can't be effective. No, Kevin, like basically every star player not named LeBron James in NBA history, he cannot win a championship with a poorly constructed roster. And that's exactly what the Phoenix Suns are. And I said this from the jump over the summer. Everybody loved the Phoenix Suns. And by the way, we're only two months of the season. A lot can happen. There's a trade deadline. But I said this from the jump with Phoenix. Kevin's amazing. Booker's amazing. Beal's amazing. And they're rarely going to be on the floor together. And it sucks. I hate injuries. We all do. Uh, but Bradley Beal is out again for quite some time with that ankle injury. And by the way, Bradley Beal this season has played all of six uh, six basketball games and averaged barely 15, not even 15 points a game. Now, a lot of that is due to the fact that he's been injured out of the lineup, out of rhythm. He's missed tons of games. Last year, going back to 2019, I remember I did the stat or did a graphic about this on my show uh, during the offseason when the Beal trade was made. That Beal, Booker, not as much Booker, but Beal and Durant play about on average about 50 games a year. Beal was going to miss time. Kevin, knock on one, he's been healthy this year. Hopefully that continues. Knock on one for Kevin Durant, but he is in year 17. He's no spring chicken anymore. He's still amazing. What he's doing at this Asian stage of his career is unbelievable. But he, is, he has shown himself to be somewhat fragile, at least since the Achilles injury back in 2019. And as far as the roster, it was never well-constructed. Yes, you're asking Devin Booker to run the point guard. And by the way, he's done an admirable job. And Booker's averaging eight assists this year. It, like he's Booker's done a decent job for a shooting guard. But you need a, a true, legitimate point to get guys in and out of sets. It doesn't even have to be the traditional point. LeBron's the, in effect, the point guard for the Lakers. Draymond, at times, has been the point guard, so to speak, the point forward for the Warriors. There's plenty of guys. Jokic in Denver. Doesn't have to be the stereotypical Chris Paul, John Stockton point guard, Jason Kidd point guard, but just a guy to get you in and out of sets, a guy who's used to doing that. You're asking Devin Booker to do something that he's not done for the vast majority of his career. And you're asking a team, and this is why I think Frank Vogel may end up being the fall guy, kind of like he was in L.A., where he's a defensive guy, he's a defensive coach, and all oh, the defense is bad. Well, of course it's bad. Who's your who? Who is the Phoenix Suns' best defender? Who is it? It's not Kevin Durant. It's not Booker. Darn sure isn't Beal. It's not Eric Gordon who's frustrated right now. It's not the kid Wantanabe. 
It's not him. It's not Bates Diop, who Booker got mad at the other night for a poor effort on Christmas Day. It's hard to be good defensively when you don't have good defensive players. When you don't have a point guard, when you have a brittle star. This was never going to work. And I don't blame Kevin Durant for being frustrated. Kevin Durant's got to be looking at this saying, you got to be kidding me. I ran away from a situation like this in Brooklyn. Where it was, I went to Golden State, I won my championships, but I want a new challenge. I want to I want to lead my own team. I want to be the man on my own team. And I defended Kevin for that. And I know a lot of Warriors fans, which I'm a Warriors fan, got mad at him about that. But I'm like, you know what? I didn't expect Kevin to be here long anyway. I was I was thankful for every year he was there, but it's always been Steph's team. And I'll root for Katie wherever he goes. Like, hope he does well. Going to Brooklyn, though, with Kyrie Irving was a bit of a head-scratcher. Had he gone to Boston or the Lakers or, the heck, even the Clippers, who are better run than the, than the Nets, I would have understood it. But he went to Brooklyn. He tried that out. It didn't work. You know what? Sometimes we try things in life, and they just don't work. We don't get crucified by the media when that happens. Kevin Durant was. Kevin Durant said, no, I'm going to go to a better-run organization in Phoenix. Then again, there's a new ownership change. We know we know the new owner Phoenix is wants to make a big statement. You know, in any in any field, especially billion, when billionaires are involved, they wouldn't impress their billionaire buddies. Like, hey, look what I can do now at running the Phoenix Suns operation. That's what Matt Ishby has done in in Phoenix. He adds Kevin Durant the trade deadline. Hey, pretty good. Kevin Durant's one of the best players on, on God's green earth. He's amazing. You already had Devin Booker. And you, and you moved Chris Paul. Now, as a Warriors fan, I'm very thankful that they moved Chris Paul because Chris has been excellent for us this year. But I understood it even from Phoenix's perspective. Hey, Chris is aging. Chris is no longer the number one guard on a team anymore. Let's get something for him. He should have got another guard or at least some depth. They don't have it. They don't have defenders. They don't have healthy superstars. And they don't have a point guard. But because the name's on the back of the jerseys, it was all going to work. What, like Brooklyn? This is literally to a T outside of having a bad head coach because Vogel's a much better head coach than Steve Nash is. Outside of that, this is literally just Brooklyn West. A superstar in Durant, a superstar in, in Booker, a star in Beal, but they're not going to be healthy. They're, they're not, not going to be together in large part due to health. Brooklyn with some other factors with Kyrie that we won't get into, but health is going to play factor. They don't have any defensive stoppers. They have no rim protection, and they have no true point guard. And look at it, the Phoenix Suns today. Losing record. Out of the play-in tournament as we sit here today when you look at the standings in the Western Conference. You got the freaking Rockets above them. Got the, got the Pelicans who have a Zion weight issue ahead of them. I feel bad for Kevin. I really do. Kevin probably thought, hey, I'm going to end up in Phoenix. I don't have to deal with any more drama anymore. I don't have to deal with this. Better franchise, good coach, great superstar, reliable superstar and booker. And they literally just put the Brooklyn Nets together once again. I feel bad for Kevin Durant. So the context is, why Katie's frustrated, he's frustrated because, because of the reasons I said coming into this year. They were never a championship contender. They certainly aren't now. They never were, though. Everything, and it's unfortunate, especially from the injuries perspective, because nobody loves to see injuries. Nobody but this was predictable. We saw this coming in. And we're seeing it right now with the Phoenix Suns. So unless they make some crazy trade to bring in a point guard, I mean, I don't know. Do they, do they try and go get Kobe White from the Bulls? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Doesn't work. 
It was never going to in Phoenix. And I'll tell you this, and he will get ripped to shreds if he does this. But if Kevin Durant wants out of Phoenix, won't blame him a bit. Won't blame him one bit. He tried to leave a dysfunctional situation, an organization that couldn't put together a winning basketball roster, and the team he joins does the exact same thing that the team he left did. It didn't make sense to me. So I totally get why Kevin Durant's frustrated. I do. I really do. I feel bad for him. I know a lot of other folks won't. And I won't. I know that's not a terribly popular opinion, and I understand that. But in the day, you know, he comes into an organization, he comes into a franchise that had just made a finals a couple of years uh, prior to him him joining, had a, a reliable superstar in, in Devin Booker, and they've they've gone the exact direction that the Nets did, and it sucks. It sucks for Kevin. But uh, and I've been a big Phoenix Suns supporter over the last few years, but it's not working. And the way to build championship is you have so you have, you have to have at least one superstar. We know this, and obviously the Suns have two. If you have two superstars, you're in, you're, you're golden man. You're in great shape. But then you fill out the guy the the roster at least around what type of superstar that your guy or guys are. And in this case, you needed a point guard. You needed some good defensive players. You needed you know, they got size, but not good defensive size. Not guys who can who can man the paint consistently. I don't understand it. Not at all. Just got this in from Schefter. What do we got here? Uh, Adam Schefter says that the Ravens 49ers game is the second most watched Monday night football game in 27 years, trailing only the Eagles Chiefs in week 11 this season. So in a five-week span, Monday night football now has aired its two most watched games in the last 27 years. I could have sworn I heard the NFL was dying not that long ago. Another conversation for another show. Uh, Anyways. I did want to shift, though, to Bryce's best 10. And this is a good one. We got a lot of movement up and down, up and down. We obviously have a new number one. We cannot put San Francisco back on top after that performance. Uh, but we got a fun one this week. A lot of movement in the National Football League. We got two weeks to go. It's unbelievable. We're going into week 17, which doesn't even make sense. Bryce's best 10. Right now, we've got a great one. All across the board, all across the National Football League, some contenders, some non-contenders. We will start with number 10, the 10th best team in the NFL, staying right smack dab where they were a week ago. It is the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are the 10th best team in the National Football League, and here is why. So that win against the Giants, if you heard me rant about 30 minutes ago, is exactly is exactly why I don't trust this Eagles team. Love the offense. Offensive personnel is excellent. I still believe in Jalen Hurts. Offensive line's amazing. Weapons are great. Running game's great with DeAndre Swift. Dude, new offensive coordinator's done a solid job. Not as good as Shane Steichen in Indianapolis, but has done a good job. This defense is nothing short of atrocious. And in the last month, they've been darn near unwatchable. 42 points given up to San Francisco. 33 points given up, given up to Dallas. Not that many points, uh, barely 20 points given up against the Seattle Seahawks, but a 92-yard drive with under two minutes to go against Seattle. And now yesterday, 25 to the Giants. Now, six of those were off a, were off a pick six. So you, you sort of put that aside. But Giants seemingly had no trouble going up and down the field. The Giants are struggling on fourth down. The props to the props to Eagles for getting the stops on fourth down. But this defense is going to let them down the playoffs. They're not good situationally. They will be a one and done. Because of the talent that they have offensively, I got to put the Eagles in here somewhere. They are the 10th best team 
in the National Football League. We got another team staying right where they are. At number nine, it is the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are the ninth best team in the National Football League, and here is why. So, Josh Allen's a remarkable talent. We know this. The Bills' running game, by the way, over the last few weeks uh, in this winning streak for them has been nothing short of excellence. It's been the best it's been in the Josh Allen era in Buffalo. But once again, I do not trust this team when the when the money's on the line, when everything's on the line. They go to L.A. off a big win against Dallas, and this team seemingly cannot handle prosperity. They barely get out of SoFi Stadium with a walk-off field goal against Easton Stick at quarterback. Easton Stick. I still love the running game. I still think Josh Allen's a remarkable talent. As long as he cuts down the turnovers, which sometimes he can't help himself, but cut them down, cut out the reckless plays, I still love what this Bills team is and what they're capable of doing. I'm not a contender, though. Because contenders give me, give me greatness or even consistent good play consistently week to week, uh, every uh, every week in the National Football League. I get that from the Buffalo, uh, I don't get that rather, from the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are the ninth best team in the National Football League. At number eight, actually dropping, despite a win, dropping a couple of spots this week because of some, some shifts and some teams moving up and down the list. The eighth best team in the NFL is the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are the eighth best team in the National Football League, and here is why. So, for Cleveland, Listen, Joe Flacco has been one of the more remarkable stories in the NFL. He had, I, I, heard a, I heard somebody say today, I heard a stat that Joe Flacco from 2020 to 2022 had won all three games total uh, in the National Football League in the games that he started. This year, he's won three total, uh, in, in, or three this year by itself. Uh, Joe's been excellent, had three touchdowns passing. Amari Cooper was awesome. 11 catches for 265 and multiple touchdowns against the Houston Texans. The Browns defense is nothing short of outstanding. I think I saw a stat that their opponent, average opponent passer rating is like 71, so not even league average. So the Browns defense is excellent. Miles Garrett is absolutely unblockable, and this Browns secondary is really good, but the limitations of quarterback, eventually you see Joe Flacco struggling at times with the turnovers the last couple of weeks. Teams will get film on Cleveland. Teams will ultimately figure out a way to stop Cleveland offensively. I love the weapons, and by the way, the notion that Kevin Stefanski should be fired was always a ridiculous notion by Cleveland fans. Uh, you're seeing that right now. He's a tremendous head coach. He's done a great job there. Given all the injuries in Cleveland, this is about the best they could have possibly hoped for. Uh, I hate this makes me want to throw up in my mouth as a Steelers fan, but shout out to the Cleveland Browns doing what they've been doing, and they're going to be a playoff team and potentially uh, be a tough out in the first round. The Browns are the eighth best team in the National Football League. At number seven, definitely the lowest they've been on Bryce's best 10, and they have been at the top before, but the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are the seventh best team in the National Football League, and here is why. So Kansas City, we know them as this explosive offense in years past with Mahomes, Kelsey, and others, but the fact of the matter is this. The receivers who were struggling with the drops earlier in the season now can't even separate. Now that's a big, big, big red flag if you're a Chiefs fan, if you want to compete for a Super Bowl and go back-to-back this season. I'm still not selling my stock of the Chiefs because I think they've changed their identity a little bit this year because they've had to because of their limitations at receiver. They still have a great defense. They still have the best quarterback and coach on the planet. And Travis Kelsey is still productive uh, from Sunday to Sunday. And I still like them situationally. The AFC a little bit topsy-turvy right now. So outside of Baltimore, it feels like the conference is kind of wide open. I know Miami's good, but obviously they beat Miami in Germany. So beat them on a neutral site. The game could potentially be in Kansas City or even in Miami in the playoffs. I still think the Chiefs are capable of a run. But if nothing else, guys, the receivers got to separate. You got to separate. 
That's why I got the Chiefs where, I, where, I, uh, where I've got them. The Chiefs are the seventh best team in the National Football League. At number six, the highest they've been on Bryce's best 10. I put this team on this list two weeks ago when they had a losing record, and I'm being rewarded today. The sixth best team in the National Football League is the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are the sixth best team in the National Football League, and here's why. So Matthew Stafford, I've read the stats before, that he's top five in virtually every category uh, this year. Or not, not this year, but in this Rams streak. They start three and six. They look like they look dead in the water, look like about what we thought they'd look like coming into the season. Six win team, seven win team, kind of fight till the finish. Oh no, Matthew Stafford looks just as good as he did two years ago in that Super Bowl run. A big reason for that is because he's finally healthy. Sean McVay, we know, is one of the best offensive head coaches and head coaches in general in the NFL. Puka Naku is having a fantastic rookie season. Because of the injury to Stroud, may actually end up taking offensive rookie of the year, uh, which is unfortunate for Stroud, but Puka's been outstanding. Obviously, I'm, I'm a big Cooper Cup fan because he's productive when healthy and because he looks like me a little bit. And also, Kyron Williams has been an absolute steal for less need in this Rams front office and given what he's been doing. Listen, the Rams offense is playing hot with confidence. The defense has some holes that can and probably will be exposed in the playoffs by a San Francisco or by a Dallas and even by a Philly at least in the defensive uh, offensive side of the ball but I love where this Rams team is at they have championship pedigree they have an awesome head coach and an elite quarterback they're good situationally and given how they drafted the last few years they've hit on virtually all their picks they're gonna be a problem for years to come the Rams the sixth best team in the National Football League at number five moving up three spots from last week it is the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are the fifth best team in the National Football League, and here is why. So, Tua Tungavailoa this year has had probably his best season, uh, has a pass rating well over 100, and against a, a Cowboys defense that, listen, has had their moments from time to time, although they're struggling as of late. Tua went out there, uh, led the game-winning drive, uh, threw for almost 300 yards, did not turn the football over against the Cowboys. Tyreek Hill was effective throughout the day, nearly 100 yards receiving. Doesn't look like Tyreek is going to get to the 2,000 yards receiving mark. Uh, which is unfortunate for him unless he just absolutely goes off in the last two weeks of the season. He's fully capable of doing that, we know. Uh, the injury to Jalen Waddell is concerning me to, concerning to me to a certain degree, but I saw this stat today. The Dolphins, since that loss to the Buffalo Bills back in week three, number one defense in the NFL. And some of, that's, some of that is because of the quarterbacks they played, but they played Dak Prescott on Sunday and held the Cowboys to 20 points. So you give credit to what's due to the Miami Dolphins. I really like where they are offensively. Their ability to run the football consistently with Raheem Mostert and company uh, has, has, has Miami fans with good reason, leaves Miami fans with good reason to be excited. Vic Fangio has changed this Dolphins defense. Jalen Ramsey, I was wrong about this when this trade happened over the offseason, but Jalen Ramsey since coming back from injury has changed this Dolphins defense in a very big way. The Dolphins are the fifth best team in the National Football League. At number four, moving up a spot from last week, it is the Detroit Lions. The Lions are the fourth best team in the National Football League, and here's why. I don't know. We talk about all these loaded offenses. We talk about San Francisco. We With Mark Andrews, we talk about, at times, the Baltimore Ravens. I just mentioned the Cleveland Browns. Heck, the Rams get a lot of credit for Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams and with Matthew Stafford and with Cooper Cup when healthy. I don't think we give enough love to how loaded this Lions offense is. Jared Goff has always been one of the uh, kind of a fringe top 10 guy this year. He's certainly having a top 10 season. There's no question about it. Uh, basically, everywhere you look, the stats, the numbers, the film. But you have uh, Jameer Gibbs, who everybody didn't like that pick when they made that in the early in the first round when they did because he was kind of a projected 
Best case scenario, mid-first round pick. They took him early in the first round. He has more than paid dividends. A monster game against a great Minnesota Vikings defense. You have Amon Ross St. Brown. You have Sam Laporta, who's the best rookie tight end in the NFL that I've seen in a long time. And you have Jamison Williams, who's as explosive receiver as there is. And he has the best offensive line in the NFL. Like, this Lions, this Lions offense are, is going to be very, very hard to spot, stop, especially when they're playing indoors. That's why I think securing the two seed, I picked them to get to the NFC title game. If they get the two seed, I feel very, very good about their chances. Even if they were to play a team like Dallas in the second round of the playoffs, that's why this game against Dallas on Saturday is huge for this team. Love their weather offensively. They would be higher if they had throughout a team. If they have Miami's defense, which again, as I've said, has been number one in the NFL since uh, week four. So you got to factor that into consideration as well. I don't like what I'm seeing defensively. Nick Mullins had a rough game. The Vikings still scored over 20 points and moved the ball with ease at times during this game. So, And by the way, missed out on a touchdown early on in, in, in that football contest. So I don't love where Detroit's defense is right now. I think I just kind of have to accept who they are on that side of the ball. Offensively, I have no problem accepting who they are. They are flat out stacked on that side of the ball. The Lions are the fourth best team in the National Football League. I'm going to get so much hate for this, but I don't care. At number three, staying exactly where they are from a week ago, it is the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are the third best team in the National Football League. By the way, I, I, I misquoted there. Moving up a spot from last week, the Cowboys, the third best team in the National Football League, and here's why. For the same reasons that I've liked Dallas this whole time. They have an elite quarterback who played like an elite quarterback on Sunday. They have an elite receiver who, when Dallas schemed him into the offense in the first and fourth quarters, played like an elite receiver. And an offensive line that if Tyron Smith's healthy, you think Dallas maybe wins that game? You don't think Bradley Chubb's going unblocked? You think Bradley Chubb's going unblocked that whole game if they get Tyron, if they have Tyron Smith for that game, which reports say he looks to be coming back this week against the Detroit Lions and Aiden Hutchinson? Like that, those things do matter. Now, this Cowboys defense has been really struggling as of late. Seattle went up and down the field on that Thursday night a, a few weeks ago. Buffalo ran the football very effectively against this Cowboys defense. And obviously, not just the last drive of the game where they gave up the drive uh, for the walk-off field goal, but also the fact that almost all of Miami's drives ended in Dallas territory. That's why Jason Sanders made five field goals in the game. So for Micah Parsons, for this Cowboys defense, it's time to kind of put up or shut up. you got a huge, huge test against an elite Lions offense, as I just detailed, this upcoming week. But... I like the Cowboys to potentially win the NFC for the same reasons I liked them beforehand. I'm not moving them just because of a, a loss to Miami in which a couple plays go Dallas's way. They win the football game. Cowboys right now, the third best team in the National Football League. At number two, just dropping one spot. Let's not overreact. This is still an elite, elite team. The San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are the best team, or sorry, the second best team. But so used to saying the best team. The Niners are the second best team in the National Football League. And here's why. So again... This is what I've been saying for weeks. This is absolutely, unequivocally the best roster in all football. Even after that loss to Baltimore, I think it's the best roster in all football. And I say, if Brock Purdy is the weak link of your team, you're in really good shape. Now, the weakness of the Niners, the weakness of Brock Purdy, heck, the weakness of Kyle Shanahan, when you look at the numbers, is playing from behind. Kyle Shanahan, I saw the stat, and it's, it's hard to believe. When he's down three or more entering the fourth quarter in his head coaching career, Kyle Shanahan is 4-35. and 35. When trailing by eight or more in the fourth quarter, he's never won 0-38. So that's that's kind of been Shanahan's bugaboo. Whether it's quarterback play, whether it's... I, I can't really figure it out because I see Purdy with the lead and he looks like Patrick Mahomes. Now, is he that? Is he an elite quarterback? Of course he's not. 
but is he bad? No, he feels like he's kind of in between. Purdy has a passer rating in the 120s when leading, a passer rating in the 80s when trailing. He's kind of in that mid-tier to a Jared Goff tier. He's certainly not in the Jimmy Garoppolo tier. He's way better than Jimmy was in San Francisco in, by every metric imaginable. Imaginable. But this is what I've been saying for weeks. Even though I've had the Niners at number one, their only weakness is they really can't play from behind. I still love this roster. They seem to be relatively healthy. Hopefully Trent Williams is okay, but I still believe the Niners. The Niners are the second best team in the National Football League. And back at number one, they were number one a few weeks ago, took them off, do that loss to Cleveland, but they're very much back. And in resounding fashion, it's undeniable. Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the National Football League. Here's why. So, they have the MVP of the league as we sit here today, Lamar Jackson. He is more valuable to his offense today than any player in football, including Christian McCaffrey, including Tyreek Hill, including these days, my man Dak Prescott, although Dak's having a great season, and even guys that have been mentioned like CJ Stroud and Josh Allen. Lamar, from start to finish, you brought in this new offensive coordinator. You've gotten the most out of Lamar Jackson. This Ravens defense continues to dominate the number one scoring defense, I believe, in the NFL. And by the way, Lamar's doing this without Mark Andrews. They're well coached with John Harbaugh. Now, as I mentioned with the Niners, anytime I put them at number one, their only weakness, they can't play from behind. I worry, can the Ravens play from ahead? I mean, there was a second there with Sam Darnold in the game when the Niners could have cut that thing to a one-score game with two minutes to go with all their timeouts, and that game was far from over. So even in games where they physically dominate, there are teams that are capable of staying in it with them. But um, it's it's a little bit nitpicky. I love what this Ravens roster is. It's the best defense in the league, a top-five quarterback in Lamar, and a top-ten top head coach in John Harbaugh. The Ravens, very deservedly so. I can't hate just because I'm a Steelers fan. I got to call it the way I see it. The Ravens are the best team in the National Football League. I can't lie. And let's put up this graphic real quick if we can get it on here uh, about my top 10 teams in the NFL. Here we go. Okay, so there you go. Best team in the NFL, is, and I've got the whole graphic from 1 to 10 in order. From 1 to 10, Ravens, 49ers, Cowboys, Lions, Dolphins, Rams, Chiefs, Browns, Bills, Eagles. I'm sorry. I'm not impressed by, by Buffalo or Philadelphia, especially Philadelphia. I probably, Of course, I did put Buffalo over Philadelphia. I'm not impressed by the Eagles. The bad situation, the defense stinks. And there's a growing sense of self-doubt uh, by Jalen Hurts, by Nick Sirianni, by Devontae Smith, earlier this year by Jason Kelsey. I don't buy into Philly. I don't. It's not good. There you go. Bryson's best Tim uh, coming into week seven. Is that not hard to believe? That we're, I, it feels like two weeks ago I did my uh, season, my kickoff special with my man Ryan Flowers. Shout out to Ryan of Clutch Sports Talk. Did a great show the other day. Uh, you can catch him every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern uh, on most occasions. But listen, uh, feels, it feels like we were doing that show and doing our predictions. And here we are with two weeks to go. Christmas is yesterday, and we're about to get ready for the playoffs. Pretty unbelievable. And by the way, week 17's got some dandies. Okay, I'm about to predict Browns and Jets in just a second, or Jets, Browns, uh, technically. But you got Lions, Cowboys. On Saturday night, that's going to be a huge game. The line's actually been lowered now to Dallas minus six, so some people like Detroit. Dolphins, Ravens is at one o'clock. I would be shocked if that game doesn't get flexed to Sunday night football because currently the Sunday night game is Packers-Vikings. That doesn't hold near the weight as Dolphins-Ravens. That'll be a good one. You've got uh, Raiders-Colts, which could potentially be an elimination game for the loser of that one. What else you got? You've got... Uh, Cardinals Eagles, which could be potentially be upset the week material. Watch out, watch out for that. Um, when it's all said and done, si uh, Saints Buccaneers could decide the NFC South. That's a big one. Bengals Chiefs, uh, both teams in dire need of a win. Some good games in week 17. Not gonna lie.
I mean, I'm used to week 17. We're all kind of used to week 17 being like the 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 ultimate uh, do or die situation for teams trying to make the playoffs. But that's obviously going to be week 18. Still, I know we're three years into the 17 game schedule, but still weird to get used to. But we do have a game on Thursday night football. As far as playoff implications means nothing to one of the teams, it means a lot uh, to the other, the Cleveland Browns, who are hosting the New York Jets on Thursday Night Football. Very last Thursday night game of the year, which I am not terribly heartbroken over, not just because the games have been terrible, just because it's, it's terrible for the NFL because the players should not be playing four days after playing on Sunday, but nonetheless... So the Browns are a seven-point favorite in this game, which feels about right. I think I'd have it more at six if it were me, but that's, again, we're, we're kind of nitpicking here on the show. But listen, the Jets, impressive win, scoring 30 points to the Washington Commanders, although Washington does have the worst pass defense and the worst, I'm sorry, the worst scoring defense in the NFL. They might have the worst pass defense as well. I haven't checked. But listen, the Jets, Trevor Simeon, he's been a better option or more consistent option this year than Zach Wilson. Hopefully for Zach's sake, he gets a second chance elsewhere, at least as somebody's backup because I think he's, he's improved his maturity from a year ago. The Jets have weapons. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, they've got some guys. But simply put, their offensive line is absolutely abysmal. I think we have a, there's a chance that Miles Garrett might absolutely wreck this game inside out. Uh, now, the Jets defense has, has, has shown flashes given the talent they've shown. Again, almost blew that lead to Jacoby Brissett and that commander's offense on Sunday. But I still like where the Browns are right now. I love it. And by the way, crazy, crazy fact to throw out here on the show. It's not going to happen, but it's crazy. If the Browns win out, if the Ravens lose out, and if the, gosh, I think that the, the Dolphins lose their last game of the season, then the Cleveland Browns are the number one seed in the AFC. It's not going to happen, but it's fun to throw that out there, I guess. I've got the Browns, though. They do cover. Seven points feels like a little too much, but I'll take it nonetheless. 22-13, to 13, Browns win this one. Get to 11-5. and five. If they haven't clinched a playoff spot, they'll certainly do it in this game. Browns win this one over the Jets. 22-13. There you go. All right. I'm going to get out of here because that's all the time we have for today's show, today's special Tuesday show, sort of combining Monday's content with Wednesday's potential content, adding Bryce's best 10 and carving up the context in the mix. Very, very fun show. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. As always, be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And of course, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. Again, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. 1K before Super Bowl or by Super Bowl 58, 58th, which is February the 11th. So please hit that big red subscribe button if you have not done so already. If you have, thank you so much. Be sure to tell a friend to tell a friend about it. It is still the holiday season. It is still the holiday season. Give the gift of carving it up live to, to everybody. It's, it's free. I'm not, I'm not making you pay anything. Just hit the big red subscribe button down there. Hit that one. Hit it. Boom. Part of the Carving Up family. Just as important, be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. We have some awesome content creators on the network, so please, please, please go check them out. And by the way, go check out the 8 o'clock spot just a half hour from now. I'm going to be on there. It's an all-Cowboys camp fan affair. going to be very, very fun. 
with Anth, Adam, and AJ, the three hosts of the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. Top of the hour at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, the 8 o'clock spot, live on the Grid Network's YouTube channel and Twitter account. Do not miss it. It is going to be a blast with those guys. So I'm going to get out of here, get set for that show, and have a good old time on a Tuesday night in the 8 o'clock spot with the Cowboys Can Fam. See y'all on Friday's show, uh, and if, if you don't see the 8 o'clock spot, please tune in. If you're not able to catch that, I'll see y'all on Friday at eight, at eight uh, Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter and on YouTube. So stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical, physical health. Please, 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 as well, be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. We've got to address this terrible problem. Have to. All right, I'll see you on Friday, and I'll see y'all before then in a half hour in the 8 o'clock spot at the top of the hour at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific with the Cowboys camp fan. Cannot wait. See y'all then. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. And by the way, shout out Chloe. This helmet looks good on my shelf. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.